Hello, I'm Chris. And I'm Jillian. Welcome to Dead to Us, our first podcast on the JK Podcast Network, where we will be discussing one of our favorite shows, Dead to Me, on Netflix. We are going to be talking about season two, so if you haven't seen season one, make sure you go back and get caught up. In this podcast, we will be talking about episodes five through ten to wrap up season two. There will be spoilers, so be sure to watch all 10 episodes before listening. Before we begin, as always, some of the language in our podcast may not be suitable for young children. So if they're in the room or in the car, you may not want to listen right now. Episode five, there are just a couple of big things happen here and one is very telling to the character of judy when she realizes uh that she accidentally told ben that steve knew that jim was angry after their real estate deal fell through she goes into the bathroom and really starts beating herself um physically emotionally verbally Mm-hmm. It was really hard to watch, but it, it was shot so, so really in your face. So um, Linda Carlini is just looking at us, looking at the audience, pointing at us, yelling at us, basically really yelling at herself and kind of just mimicking some of the abusive stuff that Steve used to say to her, hitting herself, yelling at herself. Yeah, and probably even before that, her mother probably did that um, to her as well. So she's probably never not been in an abusive relationship. So she's almost filling the void because that's what she's used to. Yeah, people oftentimes do repeat what they're used to. It's just that's all they know. It's kind of their familiar place, Mm -hmm. as awful as it is. Yeah, yeah, it's sad. But um, kind of the, the upside of that is that's when um, Michelle walks in on her there and sees her in the bathroom. And I think that's really the start of their emotional bonding and connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And also, um, I want to say in the episode, um, we have uh, chiropractor Ben giving Jen a massage because she's in so much pain in her back and uh, she just breaks down and starts to cry. So we really get a good look at the, the often strong connection between physical pain and emotional pain. Yeah, and how, I mean, first of all, Jen's back was really bad for a while, and I thought that was a another example of how um, she's not able to ask for help. She's always trying to get it taken care of on her own and trying to stay strong for everybody and, you know, lead her family and, and do, you know, take care of everything. And, um, and you know, she just... Kind of like when she went after Steve, she just let loose all that anger that she had just been holding in. So, yeah, that was a powerful moment that she was able to let that go. That was a beautiful thing. And um, talking about Jen's anger, I believe it's also in this episode when we see Lorna in the office talking to Jen about her anger. So there's the anger again. And something I know that... um, you and I have talked about how come no one in the show ever, ever goes to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> These people I mean, need so badly. Yeah. They need it on a family level. They need it because of um, the deaths, the death of um, the boy's dad and Jen's husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jen probably is needed in her whole life to, deal with her anger and, and more of her issues that issues that we'll find out about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Judy's been in therapy, but man, she really needs a good therapist. Yeah. And I don't say that in a bad way. I think therapy is great. I think everyone should have the opportunity to get to know themselves better by going to therapy and also get to be better communicators, because that's something that we basically don't, don't learn in school. Right. Right. And I think, um, like we were saying with Judy and how she's beating herself up because this is sort of the, 
the life she's known, um, I, I just think it's so hard for us to make changes, especially these big changes, uh, without having somebody to help guide us through that. And I think therapy can be such a um, huge benefit for for people to work through this kind of stuff and, and make these uh, positive changes in their lives. However, I do have to say, you know, as hard it, as it was to um, hear Lorna's statements, and of course, the way she says everything just sounds like such a bitch. But yeah. her, th her statements were we're pretty spot on. I thought, you know, she's saying your problem isn't your mortgage. Your problem is you, you know, she was saying the, the couple that she was trying to sell the house to wouldn't buy it from Jen, but she, Lorna had a loving hand and that wasn't her strong suit. And she had said, you know, unless something changes, you're going to end up a bitter old woman. And it's, you know, it's kind of true. You know, she really does need to to make some changes in order to feel more complete and happy, I think. Good point. Good point. And um, I think I want to go to episode six, yeah. which was called You Don't Have To. And this was, I think, the most fun episode of the series. We were wondering if it was episode six in season one that was also the most light and fun episode where they went to the uh, getaway weekend um at the hotel yeah anyway in um in season two and episode six uh some fun stuff happened well the first thing is uh jen went to go see charlie's uh sort of kind of girlfriend harper who uh is someone i'm not real impressed with a little uh yeah. media social media star the little micro influencer mm -hmm. And uh, it was kind of funny, though, to see uh, Jen show up with the cupcakes trying to get her uh, to bribe her not to uh, bribe her to take the pictures down of them in the car in yeah. Steve's car. Of course, she doesn't care about the cupcakes. She doesn't even eat cupcakes, of course. And I really wanted those cupcakes. Uh, but yeah, she does take money. She was, I guess, OK with a thousand dollars, even though she. Uh, doesn't hold true to her word anyway about that. But the kind of funny part, but good part was back in the car with Judy and Charlie and Judy telling Charlie about uh, using condoms and all about STDs and why to use condoms, which is great, except I was kind of annoyed that if she's telling him all that stuff, she didn't bring up, hey, it could also prevent pregnancy. So uh, I thought that was a little missed opportunity by the writers. Yeah, I thought so too, especially when, you know, I was thinking with Parker, you know, she's just such a little bitch. And, and I thought that just goes to show how important it is to be careful about who you let in your life. And can you imagine if Charlie got her pregnant and then they are stuck to, together in some way for the rest of their lives because a child has bound them? You know, that's hugely important. Well, or unless, you know, she opted not to have if we're just going down, you know, imagining and, you know, still to this day, I, that's still a hard topic for shows to discuss, which I think is unfair mm -hmm. because it is something that happens all the time. So, I mean, but that's another topic for another episode, but uh, I think it was uh, really a remiss of the writers to leave that out. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, uh, next fun thing, really a couple, couple of real fun things in this episode. We see Michelle and Judy on their kind of date, um, getting Mexican food on the beach. And I was really kind of jealous in the way that, God, the taco truck looked great on the beach. And um, not Jen and Judy. Did I say that? I meant to say Michelle and Judy. Yeah. Um, but Michelle sprung for all kinds of good food and yay for the Mexican cola. Definitely my preferred glass <laughs> bottle Mexican cola also definitely beats the plastic bottles and, and the cans of regular uh, cola. And uh, that food looked really good. And then there was that kind of weird scene with Nick there. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. He's definitely feeling bitter. Um and he, he kind of spewed a little bit on her in that moment. Yeah, but they look like they, except for that, that they were having just a really fun day. It, 
yeah, beautiful weather outside, delicious food, getting a chance to talk and get to know each other. And then uh, they were having such a great time, they carried on to the Holy Harmonies show. <laughs> yes, which was also fun. And wouldn't you know it, Ben was a Holy Harmony. Were you surprised? No, that, you know, I was thinking how much Ben and Henry are like, they, they just have this like warm and welcoming and open personality. And oh my gosh, I so enjoyed watching Ben uh, dance in his seat in the, in his pew. Uh, <laughs> desperately want to be up there with them. It was hilarious. It was. He's so funny. James Morrison is really funny. He's great in both roles. He totally sells both roles. Yeah. Uh, and and um, like when he said it was my cup of tizzle, I mean, his lines are hilarious. Yeah. He's so quirky. It, gosh, it's like, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum. So it's it's really been enjoyable to, you know, to be able to watch him and laugh this season when last season it was like, oh, you know, you're cringing because he's yeah, such, such a jerk. Yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about it more, but so much irony and synchronicity, or should we say, you know, the universe or coincidence, just so much in the show, you know, of course, just as a small example right here, of course, Ben was a holy harmony. <laughs> yep. And then the other fun thing in the episode is they, uh, Ben and Jen and the boys go to the arcade after, and that looked really, really fun. Oh, yeah. They were having a great time. And yeah, like you'd said, um, in the first season and in this season, it's just, it has been so stressful. And so they haven't had a chance to cut loose and, and to all be together and just have fun. So it was nice to see them laughing and having a good time and playing games. Yes. Yeah. And I think that brings us pretty much to episode seven, if only you knew. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking here a lot about um, the realistic multi-layered characters versus the extreme situations that the writers put them in. Mm -hmm. So we're wondering, can Jen really date Ben? We see there's an attraction there. Mm -hmm. And can Judy date Michelle? There's the very obvious um, attraction there. And I think at the end of the episode before is when you see that I'm pretty sure they after the the arcade and the photo booth and they went home together and um, obviously were intimate. Yeah. And yeah. I the way the show handled this and I've read that Liz Feldman the showrunner and the writers uh, specifically handled it like this like they didn't make a big deal like oh you know now Judy is with a woman and they didn't make a big deal of it and they didn't uh, want to have to make an announcement it's like you know it, she's probably fluid and, and sometimes she's with women and sometimes she's with men it was just very matter of fact, and I appreciated uh, the writing on that. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, I I didn't even think twice about it. I mean, I kind of saw it coming because Jen, no, sorry, Judy is so open to that. Now, if, if that had come up with Jen, I'd be like, I don't know about that. That just doesn't seem to work yeah. for the character. <laughs> but, but Judy, yeah, Judy's full of love, and she's, you know, she's open to whatever comes her way, and she was she was really feeling good so good for her good for both of them yeah and I think for Judy also like just here was someone who really kind of you know got Judy even though obviously they didn't know each other for very long but mm -hmm. um, kind of a nice little respite from the other stresses and and also from her obviously very abusive relationship with Steve mm -hmm. yeah definitely a good shift and then I think we start to plan Steve's vigil. Jen volunteers Steve's uh, vigil on the beach. Yeah. And, yeah. That was Talk intense. Irony. Yeah. Yeah. I was cringing when she, um, when she offered. I kind of, I was like, oh, I could see them. I could see it coming. And I thought, oh my gosh, they just can't seem to get away from it. And, you know, it was it was the nice thing to do, the kind thing to do. And Ben was clearly over his head with this. Um, 
So, um, so it was really good. It's just, oh my gosh, they, I just keep wanting to, them to get away from all of it, but they just kind of got deeper in. Yeah, they did. And I've heard it said before that criminals usually keep going back to the scene of the crime. Mm -hmm. They just can't resist it. And they're just so entrenched in the whole situation. And now with Ben, I guess, uh, that it's just not going to go away for them. Yep. And then speaking of entrenched and irony, uh, so now we have we had a little bit of dramatic irony here. And this show does that a lot too, where we as the audience know things that the characters don't know. And of course, uh, Michelle's ex-girlfriend, who she lives with, turned out to be Perez. Yeah, I know. So, of, of all the women in... Laguna, um, Judy could yeah. fall for it. It had to be Perez and Dex. <laughs> and, uh, Perez was, forget the actress's name right now, but she was just so funny. I loved her line to Judy, don't offer me my own espresso. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Her lines the whole way through and she's very deadpan most of the time. And yeah. I just yes. Really yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I love a good deadpan delivery. Yes, you are so right. And I also loved the t-shirt that she wore downstairs that said, stay in your lane. I mean, perfect, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it suited her personality. Yeah. But Jen doesn't find any of this funny when she tells, when Judy tells Jen who she's dating and who her ex was, she tells Judy that she needs to break up with Michelle. Which I can understand why she feels like that because she's scared shitless. Yeah, definitely. And she and they do they are trying to kind of get out of that loop and get some space between them all. But um, but it was heartbreaking, you know. Jen was or Judy was so happy, and you just you know you think yeah. that she deserves to have some happiness. But yeah, I agree. And also at the vigil is when uh, Judy gets some more heartbreak to see that the woman that I guess Steve was kind of cheating or just didn't tell her about the woman from the office uh, who he was seeing is, is four months pregnant with Steve's child. And of course that's heartbreaking for Judy because, you know, she's always wanted to have a baby and his baby. So that was hard. And I think, I think it was four months was as far as she ever got. I think they'd said maybe it was four or five, but. Oh, right. Yeah. So yeah, that was a, a sad reminder of that. And, you know, wonder what's going to happen with all that as well. Yeah. And well, and then uh, speaking about becoming more and more involved, then we see uh, Ben and um, Jen have a kiss on the beach. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, and Judy saw it too. Yeah. Yeah. After, after Jen had told her, you got to stay away from Michelle. So it's, you know, I'm sure there were a lot of emotions going through Judy at that time. And yeah. Yeah, and you're kind of rooting for them, and yet you know it should not happen. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. No, really, from all, all the men, but you know it is James Marsden. He's so damn cute, huh? He is, and you know the whole <laughs> the levity of you know Ben's personality is. It seems like that's something that would really be good for helping. Jen to balance out her intensity because she, you know, he makes her laugh even though she she thinks he's so goofy, you know, she, she lighten up a little, so. That's yeah. true, and we didn't know Ted much. I mean, we never saw him, but we've heard about him. I bet mm -hmm. he's the 180 degree opposite of Ted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and from what um, from what Jen had said, you know, I mean, they were struggling in their marriage and they, you know, they weren't close and he was having an affair, which she didn't know about, but she did know that since her breast surgery, he wasn't intimate with her. And so, um, you know, there was a lot of um, turmoil before his death also. So that didn't help things. She, she hasn't had, just like Judy, she hasn't had a lot of joy in a relationship in a while, it sounds like. Yeah. Or maybe ever. I don't know. Yeah, true. 
And then uh, episode eight, it had to be you. So um, we see more stuff that Ben and Jen actually do have in common, which was they talk about um, being ill in their surgeries. And, and he talks about, I, I think, did he say he had heart surgeries? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah. And then at one point that showed that he had a big scar, which, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking for so long that maybe he and Steve kind of traded places. Can he be trusted? Yada, yada. But then when, you know, it showed the scar, it's like, okay, these are clearly two different people. And uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, and just the, yeah, being ill, especially when you're young, you know, would, would have an impact on your personality, whereas Steve seemed kind of in, you know, immortal. Um, ben, I think was more humble. Yeah, that, that is true. The illness probably really did shape his personality. Mm -hmm. So they have the illness and the scars in common. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and scars are good representations for, for a lot mm -hmm. about your person and what you had to survive and, and, and live through and, you know, what, what changed you and all. So that is a big thing they have in common. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then, uh, we get to see uh, Jen's uh, garage door spray painted with I know what you did. And of course, we're like, oh, shit, does this have to do with uh, Steve's death? But then we find out, nope, nope, nope. It's about Parker. Yes, lovely. <sighs> but that did lead to a great scene of, Je of Jen going over to Karen and Jeff's house next door to look at their surveillance camera. And that telling um, Jen that he's leaving Karen for Sebastian. And that whole scene was really funny. Yeah, that was entertaining. And how Jeff... Jeff a couple times answered questions that Jen didn't even ask. So, oh, true, true. <laughs> you can imagine what it was probably like to be in that marriage, you know, for Karen. So, yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll get our wish. And and at the end of uh, I think episode ten, I think we see Karen say something like, "I got to get my revenge body." So, we were hoping, uh, I think, in our last episode <laughs> that hopefully, when the show comes back next year hopefully mm -hmm. that we'll see karen um um out with jen and judy and befriending them more and she's so funny i would oh, love yeah. to see that oh yeah she'd be a great personality to throw into the mix yeah to have them out a, a lady of night out would be fun yeah of course now we have the unfortunate uh name karen for the character but who could have known when they wrote the script and shot it, right? Yeah. Uh, then uh, an important scene, though, is that we meet Judy's mom. And I did she say that her mom was dead before then? Or am I remembering incorrectly? I think she did it. I think she did. I don't know if that was in season uh, season one or not. But it would have been one if she said it. Yeah. So I, I might not be remembering correctly, but I think so. Yeah. And then in this season, I do remember her when Michelle was frustrated with Flo. Um, she said, well, my mom is a drug, drug addict. And I noticed that was in present tense. So I thought, oh, well, we'll see what. Oh, okay. That. So she mentioned it this season. Okay, yeah, we don't know much about why she's in jail or anything except that, but there's Judy going to visit her, and um, it's the great Katie Seagal, who I, I've always loved. I love her. Uh, so it was really good to see Katie Seagal there, and maybe, who knows, maybe next year if, if they come back, and I hope they do, we'll have a scene with Katie Seagal and Christine Applegate together like the old days, which would be cool. Yeah, that'd be fun. So we start seeing more about Judy's family dynamics, and that is a, a theme of, of the big theme of the show, of course, is one of the themes is screwed up family dynamics. Yeah, and just all the different relationships, you know, with Judy and her mom, with between Steve and Ben um, and even Jen and Judy who have become a family. Um, but then also Michelle and Flo and Perez, you know, 
and again, Jen and her kids. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, all of these, these people you're bonded to and how you relate with them. Again, therapy is good. Yeah. And, and then later we'll hear a little bit more at the end of I think the last episode about Jen's relationship with her mom who died when she was young. And that wasn't yeah. sound like that was ever really dealt with the grief mm-hmm. there. Uh, so then we go into episode nine, our penultimate episode. It's not you, it's me. And I think a lot happens in this episode, which is true with a lot of shows. Sometimes the the penultimate episode has more that happens than the actual finale. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we get a very, very raw scene. I think the most raw scene of the whole series about Jen um, confessing to Judy that she killed Steve and it wasn't because he was choking her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, um, I think that kind of came about also because, you know, Jen was not feeling worthy, you know, not feeling good enough, not, not feeling worthy of Ben. And um, I think she had to get it off her chest almost, almost to see what, how Judy would react yeah, so, you know, she tells Judy the, the circumstance of, of how it happened and the abusive stuff Steve was saying to her, and she just lost it, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, Judy looks shocked and hurt, but you could tell that even in that moment, she would forgive and understand where Jem was coming from. First of all, she's forgiving, but more moreover, she knows how abusive and horrible Steve could be and the stuff that he said could be, you know, of course, Steve told Jen that, you know, uh, that, that Ted basically got, I think it was something like that. He got hit, hit by the car on purpose because he wanted to get the hell away from her because she's so awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But she was, yeah. Miserable probably made him miserable. Yeah, he said some harsh things. And uh, and then Judy tells Jen that, you know, she you could tell she's, you know, understanding or beginning to understand and Jen's not having it. And she says some incredibly harsh, awful, abusive things to Judy in that moment. Oh, yeah. And- And she, uh, well, before then, even, I want to say Jen is just crying and screaming and very upset and saying that, calling herself a piece of shit and everyone hates her. Mm -hmm. And Judy said, no, you know, I don't hate you. And, and that's when Jen tells her it's because you let people abuse you. Like, I think she says something like, uh, like, uh, let people abuse you like Steven, your piece of shit mother, you let you love anyone who even pays the slightest bit of attention to you. Which again is, is kind of true. You know, it's like the Lorna statements. Uh, it's so harsh and you wish it was said a different way, but, but it's, it's true. And that, that goes back to Judy beating herself up because she doesn't think she thinks that's what she, what she deserves. Kind of like when they were listening to the voicemails from Steve, she just thought, well, you get what you deserve. Right. I think that happens later, but you're absolutely right. And I remember that's when Nick says to her, you know, nobody deserves that. And, you know, I've heard that said before that people get the love they think they deserve or, or stay with that person. And I I guess there is some truth to that. Uh, Yeah. Sometimes. No, we're jumping around a little bit, but that is when, um, I realized that Nick at the first, that's the first time he's really shown some understanding and, and empathy for Judy. And I think he'd get over his bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, back, back to that, that really raw scene in the garage with Jen and Judy, and then it just continues. And it's just so emotionally raw when Judy runs out to the car and Jen runs after her and stands in front of the car blocking her so she can't drive away and we're hoping that Judy doesn't hit the gas anyway and mm-hmm. Judy has that guttural scream in the car man yeah which I think 
I think she needed, I think she just needed to get all that out. Um, yeah, and then Jen, Jen is there for her, which, you know, it's, I think it was such a good thing that they, that they didn't part that way, you know, uh, out of anger. They had a chance to kind of hold on to each other. And yeah, you know, we don't think we're worth a whole lot, but, you know, we can, you know, we can make changes in our lives. We can support each other through these changes. I just thought it was a, I thought it was, there was a lot of potential in that hug, you know? Yeah, it was, um, very emotional and Jen went into the car and just started hugging her and and then I think the next shot we saw is um of Jen tucking Judy into her bed and, mm-hmm. and taking, care of her. taking care of her and it has to be so it had to be such a physically and emotionally exhausting night for both of them that I could see them both kind of passing out with that kind of emotion coming to the forefront it's just so tiring yeah but then also i mean i I was thinking that too and yet you know jen doesn't give into that like you know that's kind of you know it's bad in a way that she doesn't ask for help but then also she is just so strong and i don't think she appreciates that about herself i mean she's like i got something to deal with and i'm going to take care of my family and so she tucks judy in. she goes and kisses henry and I think she talked to Charlie in the hallway and then she got all those letters ready and she got set for turning herself in. Yeah. And I just uh, do want to mention that that's the first time we hear Henry angry at his mom and um, cursing is, I think that's where we hear him cursing at his mom, where he finds out that Shandy actually killed the bird when she tells him that it wasn't, the dog Adele. Yeah, that was a different scene, but yeah, that was that was unusual because Henry has always been so forgiving. But um, yeah, it brings up the whole idea of telling the truth and why did you tell her to lie? And you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, last thing I want to say about this episode is please give these two give these two women their emmys and golden globes and all all the awards everything yeah they were amazing yeah and uh brings us to our last episode of episode 10 of season 2 where do we go from here mm-hmm. and uh more um more irony and synchronicity and lies and consequences mhm yeah. Yeah. And I thought, um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I think it goes along with your, your idea of synchronicity where, you know, Jen runs into, De- goes to Detective Perez's home. So she's, she's not at work. She's at home and she opens the door and she's crying, which I mean, she's in her home. She's allowed to cry and feel and live and be normal and not be a cop for a little while, but mm-hmm. she keeps apologizing, you know, and it's, we keep seeing that with, um, Judy, especially, but this whole idea that you have to apologize for just feeling what you feel or being yourself. And um, that's something I think women tend to fall into that. And instead of just saying, you know what, I'm having a moment, I just need this moment. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I was hearing someone on some podcast the other day, I don't remember which one, talk about the fact that laughter is acceptable being happy is acceptable and we don't accept people's sadness and tears why why is being sad any less acceptable than having the emotion of happiness yeah because it's you know you have to deal with something there's something underlying and you know i don't think people want to uncover something and have to face it. I think that's a, a big reason a lot of people avoid therapy is because it does sometimes True. ripping off the band-aid, you know, it's going to hurt a little bit at first, but, but yep. then it's just going to be so much better. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Jen confesses to Perez and they go to look for Steve's body. <laughs> they end up not finding the body. Yes. <laughs> that was pretty funny. But on the drive back, we see Jen and Perez start bonding over 
talking about losing their moms at a young age. So Jen's mom, we find out died of cancer when Jen was young. And Judy, I mean, um, Perez's mom was killed trying to defend her against her abusive stepfather. So that's really heartbreaking. Yeah, huge moments. And, and you can imagine uh, Perez as a kid thinking, you know, it's my fault my mom is dead because she was trying to protect oh, yeah. me and all of that weight that went with that. And, and then Judy, I think, sorry, Jen, not, not only did her mom die when she was young, but she had talked about how she had been fighting that cancer for a long time. So it was kind of, I've seen that throughout this um, season where, you know, as life goes along, you get this hope that things are going to be better. And then, you know, it doesn't turn out to be better. And then you're so discouraged and deflated again. And then you get this, you know, shred of hope again. And it's just, it's an exhausting cycle. Yeah. It must have been difficult, a difficult childhood for her. Yeah. And that's, you know, another big theme in the show is mothers and daughters. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah oh my gosh we could talk a lot about that <laughs> yeah uh, our next podcast yes <laughs> um and uh also i want to talk about some of the things in their conversation in the car when it comes to judy jen says to perez it's impossible to hate judy i tried it it's like hating a baby she sees the good in people even when it isn't there mm-hmm and man, that, that sums Judy up, doesn't it? It does. It does. She And talk about hope, you know, she's just always hopeful that that good piece in a person is going to come out. And and I I give credit to Perez because I think she really listened to that. And um, I think later on when she helped Judy get her paintings back, I don't think she would have done that if, if Jen hadn't given her that insight. Oh, good, good point. Good point. And also in the car, Perez says to Jen, uh, you know, that they're going to forget that, that this ever happened. And sometimes justice just works itself out, which is great, except for the fact that uh, we know that the woman walking in the park with her dog came upon Steve's body under the tree with the heart. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. But I still think that if we come back again, and I hope they do, I, I think the writers would write them out of that corner. I mean, God knows they did it in Breaking Bad for all those seasons. So I, I think the writers could write them out of this somehow too. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting to see. It would, yeah, it'd be another unfolding, which would be, I would like to, like to see that in season three. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, we go back full circle to episode one at the grief group with Pastor Wayne, who it was nice to see. And it was nice to see Thelma Hopkins also. I realized I missed her when I saw her on here again. She was really good in season one, especially at the episode at the hotel at the weekend. Yeah. So, um, anyway, um, that's when Jen says she never grieved her mother. And she needs to forgive herself. So mm -hmm. more themes of this show that keep coming back, grieving, guilt, and not only forgiving other people. I like that she says she needs to forgive herself because okay. to me, that's like paramount. It's, I think it's hardest in life to forgive yourself harder than to forgive other people. But forgiving yourself is something that needs to happen. And in my eyes, more than forgiving anyone else, you really need to forgive yourself. And that's something that I work on in my personal life. Yeah, me too. And it's that, it's that idea of compassion, you know, until you can, if you can show compassion to yourself, that's when you can start showing compassion outwardly also. So yeah, that's huge. And it came up as well when, um, when Jen and Judy were sitting by the pool, which was uh, reminiscent of, you know, early on in the first season when they were, they would hang out and have talks. And, and I was waiting for that because they were saying how they forgave, you know, Judy forgave Jen and Jen forgave Judy. And I'm thinking, you've got to forgive yourself. And Judy said that to Jen. And of course, Jen to Judy said, you've got to start saying no. Right. And we're going to talk about that. And especially in light of now we have another scene, another really important scene with Judy 
and her mom at the prison. And I want to say here that not everyone deserves your compassion. Judy, not everyone deserves your compassion. I know she's your mom, but she's pretty much a user and pretty emotionally cruel. And we don't even know the background of Judy's childhood, which I'm guessing was not great with her mom. Mm -hmm. And we have that conversation in the jail where uh, Judy's mom wants her to write a letter to the parole officer. First, I think she wants money from her to get her out. And Judy says she doesn't have it. She said, well, could you at least write a letter asking or saying I've changed? And, and Judy basically tells her something like, but you haven't changed. And, and her mom starts laying the guilt on her. And well, you know, uh, you were a really difficult baby. And, and like, that's why I became a drug addict. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and, yeah. And that's what, you know, mom tells her, no, Judy says you know, a baby can't make you a drug addict. And I just, this conversation really hit me hard. And her mom said, that's not what I said. And I see you're still really sensitive. And Judy was really strong here and said, I still have feelings. Yeah. So strong in her language to turn that around. Yeah. And you could definitely see how her mother used to work her as a kid. And um, yeah. And back, I think it was in season, in episode nine where they had referred to at one point when I, I think when her mom first went into the system that uh, Judy testified against her and she, Judy said, I had to tell the truth, which, you know, that's Judy, right? Truth, love and light kind of thing. Right. And her mom's response was, you didn't know any better. And you think right there, it's like, oh yeah, that explains a lot. Yeah. And here comes this big theme again of um, learning to say no. And that's something that Judy needs to learn and learning to set boundaries and yeah. not accept being treated with disrespect, even if that's what you've gotten in the past. And that's something that I think a lot of women that we've talked about, a lot of women have a really hard time with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like you were saying with compassion, I mean, she could be compassionate toward her mother and still not give her mother what she wants because she has True. those boundaries set. But also sometimes, you know, a relationship is just too uh, poisonous and you just need to cut it off. You know, if, if she's going to go and see her mom and always get, you know, fall back into these cycles, then it's probably better that she just says, you know what, I wish you well, but I, I don't think we can do this, which is not easy, but important. Yeah which is so hard for, you know, a daughter to have to do to her mom, but it happens and she really does need to do it. Yeah. And again, like you said, maybe Jen didn't say it in the, in the, in the most compassionate way, maybe, you know, like, like a therapist would, but um, she does need to learn to say no to her piece of shit mother. That's mm -hmm. true. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, they hadn't spoken, I think they said in like 15 years or so. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe she will still visit her, maybe they won't. But it, I thought it was good that she, you know, whatever comes next, she has, you know, she's coming from a place of empowerment, you know, she's made her decisions, and she's going to do what she knows is right. So, right. yeah, it's important. Then we kind of have the, the denouement, so to speak, of tying things up. So uh, the dog starts digging up what we know is Steve's body. Judy gets her paintings back, and yay, the money's in there. I wasn't even thinking about that, were you? I had forgotten about it, but I remember thinking, I think it was back in a, a season one, when um, you know they were saying, I think Nick was going to TKG Arts and one of those paintings was listed as $1,200. And I just thought, there's got to be something else going on. That painting is not worth $12,000, I don't think. Right. But, sorry. And he was so sketchy that I thought, there's something going on. Yeah. Right. We, we found out he was laundering money, but still, I mean, the paintings were very poignant that they were all little girls with their hearts ripped out. <laughs> you know, really sad. Uh, we see why now. 
And um, anyway, more of tying things up. So then they use the money to buy Lorna out of her share of the house. So Jen owns the house and you see Judy's going to stay there. And Hastings, the police chief, is going to prison. So he won't be uh, harassing people anymore. That was nice and tidy and quick. Yeah. Not like life, right? (laughs) Well, for it sounds like some of the statements Perez and Nick had made, you know, he was a pain in people's asses for a long time. So, you know, I think from that perspective, it was long overdue. And some of the statements he made, he was really good at being an asshole, that guy. Well, besides asshole, I mean, and ironically, again, and the show's full of irony, even in real life here, you know, he made sexist comments. He made racist comments. Mm -hmm. So uh, they got rid of him quickly. So that was nice to see. Yeah. So um, more irony. So the rest of the, with some of the money, they go buy um, Charlie his car. Yes. Yes. And here it goes again, this whole hope cycle. It's like, oh my gosh, things are looking up for them. It's going to be a good day. Oh. And then they get us. They they do they do a good job with these cliffhangers at the end. Yep. So uh, there they are hitting the intersection. Situational irony. It's Steve. And then of course, I don't think Steve sees it was them. They don't yeah. see Steve. And also Ben. Ha- I, oh, I keep saying Steve. I meant to say Ben. Sorry. Oh, right. Right look alike you know (laughs) and um ben has the bottle the empty bottle of whiskey next to him which is surprising because he said he's been sober i think he said for a year or maybe more so that's not good yeah but he also had slipped that night of the vigil so and oh did he yeah he had made well yeah he made that excuse as to why you know he first admit that he'd kissed Jen but um but I mean yeah he got the phone call that they found the body so in a way you know gosh that that would be something that would really try your your um self-control so but I did forget though that he drank at the vigil and he said he was sober so that should have been a hint I should have caught on to hmm yeah, uh, foreshadowing. But anyway, interestingly enough, we're ending back in the cycle like we started when um, Steve and Judy in the car hit Jen's husband. And now here's Ben hitting them. And is he going to keep that secret? So round and round in the same circular theme and um, guilt and same thing happening again. Yeah, and here they all are um, sort of tied together by these tragic circumstances. Yeah, more is this a coincidence? So another uh, um, topic I want to discuss on the show is about the show is the use of language. And I love the use of language in all the funny quips. Uh, especially that Jen and Ben get to make (laughs) the use of language and how honest they are discussing a lot of important things. Mm -hmm. And I personally love Jen's cursing. What do you think? (laughs) You know, um, sometimes it bugs me when people just go for the F-bomb a whole lot, but in this, um, in this show, I don't think they go over the top, and I think it's very um, apropos to her character. You know, her character, you know, is bold and, like you said, very truthful and pretty angry. So it it was um, part of the character development. So it, it had purpose. Yes, for sure. And I also um, like how Jen also adds little, little uh, whys to, to words where they wouldn't have them, makes the words kind of cute sometimes, like she calls Judy dependy, and you get all confessy, and mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of funny. 
Yeah, yeah, it's cute. It's her her way of trying to be gentle, I think, with Judy sometimes. Yeah, that's a good point. I think so, too. And I, I did mention the other person with really funny lines would be Karen. Yes, yeah, she was great, which, of course, I think Karen wouldn't think that she they were funny lines. It's just that that's who she is. She's very quirky and uh, oblivious, right? Yes, comes up with great statements. But man, she would sure love to be the third musketeer, wouldn't she? Oh, yeah. She seems so desperate for friends. I hope she finds And I can't wait to see that. Yeah. yeah. Although we didn't remember the scene, though, when she thought that she was giving away to Ben that Jen had another guy in the house. And that was such a funny scene. And I, I felt bad for Karen there, actually, because she felt so bad when Judy and Jen just told her, shut up, shut up. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, in that way, I mean, well, she had already started on the orange wine, so that was part of it, but, part of, <laughs> you know, the loose lips, but uh, she could be somewhat helpful, kind of like Shandy was helpful with the burying the body, because she knows all that random stuff about guns and surveillance and, you know, true. so she could be handy. That's true. Maybe she will be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And uh, something else important about the show I don't know if we've mentioned it a lot before. Uh, not only are the female characters, you know, fleshed out and not tropes mm -hmm. and maybe part of their personalities or consequence of living in a patriarchal society. And I like the depiction of the close female friendships. Mm -hmm. And again, we talked about how Judy has relationships with men or women and it's not made a big deal on the show. And um, also about the close, close, close female friendship of Jen and Judy, but also some of their really emotional big fights. And where I saw that this, this season, especially also another show that I really like on HBO is Insecure. And I like breaking down and analyzing female friendships and putting them back together because unlike a lot of male friendships where stereotypically maybe they'll just hit each other or not really talk about deep stuff. I mean, some of the female friendships really go to places that I don't think male friendships would dare to emotionally go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, um, Maybe it's a little bit of a stereotype to say this, but I, it's definitely what I've experienced is that I think women tend to be nurturers. So when they're in a close relationship, they want to nurture each other, build each other up. And, and sometimes that does mean that, you know, it goes back and forth and there are some arguments, but I think they, cha they challenge each other when you have a really good relationship to, to try to grow and be the best person you can be and, love and support each other through that process yeah and i think that they are compliments for one another because they are different in so many ways like you said they bound they give each other balance they balance each other mm -hmm. out a lot and i i do want to add though that i think it's it's perfectly fine in life to let go of a friendship mm -hmm. if not serving you or if it's toxic or if it's from another time in your life and you're not the same people anymore. But I don't think that's true for these two. And I'm really glad that they're always able to work things through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think part of the reason we see this honest writing is because um, we have a woman showrunner and um, we also have a um, uh, the show stars women and it's mostly written, produced by and directed by women. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's why we see so much honesty, not so much in the hyperbolic situations that kind of just make the show really fun and suspenseful to watch, but in the characterizations, not being just one note. Yes. Yeah. Definitely all the different shades of gray between, between people and, within people. So if you had to rate seasons compared um, to season two, what do you think? 
Yeah, they were. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that because they were pretty different, I thought, in many ways. Um, I, th I think what I would say, um, I don't know if this is comparing or rating them against each other. I, I thought that the relationships were really good in the first season and they were kind of developing, but the mystery was really um, exciting and the suspense, I felt even more in season one. However, in season two, you still had the mystery and suspense that I really enjoyed, but you really got a chance to see these characters. And I, I thought that was really well done because by then, you know, like I'm invested in these characters. I want to know what's going to happen. I want them to be okay. I want them to stay together, you know? So um, I liked both seasons, but for different reasons. So I don't know if I have a rating you know, I totally agree with that analysis. I think season one had better suspense, but season two had more fleshed out characters. Mm -hmm. so I, I think I agree with you there, except I still do miss Abe from season one. Yes. Yeah. I did think Michelle was a nice addition, mm -hmm. but I still miss Abe. But yeah, I definitely, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And um, it, give any predictions for season three which i'm still hoping we're getting but with the coronavirus who knows when they'd be shooting yeah uh i i hope they get renewed again i'm thinking they will but i i hope so mm -hmm. me too but we, we left in in kind of a cliffhanger i was actually kind of disappointed a little bit that we got to see that they're both that everyone's still alive i kind of almost wish we didn't know not that i want them to die but i'm like okay they're alive we don't know how hurt they are but um steve i'm not steve ben does drive away yeah leaving scene of a crime like his brother so maybe he is not the perfect good brother so he did something just as awful yeah yeah you're right i mean they i they really could have cut us off with like oh oh my gosh what on earth they you know they could have left us with nothing so yeah, as far as suspense goes, you're right. That would have been amazing. On the other hand, it's I I was kind of like I said, I'm invested in these characters. I was I would have been so upset not to know that they were okay. But yeah, true, true enough. At least you know. Could you imagine that? Imagine if the show didn't come back and we went out Tony Soprano style, where the end it just went to black. That would have really uh, sucked. That would. Yeah, I think I would have had to, to write yeah, we did. an ending in my mind. Yeah, a little fan fiction, right? Yeah, exactly. So do you have any predictions for season three? Um, I, what I would... What or I, any wishes, should I say? Yeah. I, I would love to see... I really, really enjoyed Detective Perez. Um, me too. And, and I liked seeing a little bit more about her personal life. And uh, so I, I think it would be interesting if they, since they found the body to have, you know, Detective Perez now, you know, she's kind of had this moment where she got to not be a cop for a while, but is she going to have to now become a cop? And, and at this point they, Jen and, Perez have bonded a little bit. They've got some common uh, experiences or similar experiences. So I would kind of like to see that going on. I definitely, just for the fun of it, would love to see Karen in, a, in that mix. Um, yeah, maybe if there's some world in which um, we could get to see Perez in the mix and it'd be the four of them going out, kind of like a an updated sex in the city thing. Huh? <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be great. That would be great. Yeah, you could act, they all actually all could end up at the grief group because Karen could be grieving, you know, uh, Jeff, and then uh, Perez could be grieving Michelle. You know, that would be kind of interesting to have them all show up there. And also, Perez could be, you know, grieving her mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, her mom. And then also Flo, who um, I I don't think they told us at the end. Did, I don't remember hearing. I know she had had a stroke, and but um, Flo was a secret mother. She's still alive, as far as we know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where they had left off. 
So yeah, that could be interesting. And then, yeah, I think there's still a whole lot of mystery and suspense that could come from um, finding the body in the investigation. So I think there's a lot of potential there. Oh, and something else we didn't discuss, another prediction. What did Charlie read in the letter that he found in Judy's box under the bed with her weed? Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm guessing, and we don't know for sure, but we're assuming, I know we should never assume, but we're assuming that Jen had the truth about what happened, that how she killed Steve that night. So what is Charlie going to do with that information besides freak the fuck out? Yeah. And what if, what if she has, I, I don't, you know, now that I think about it, she's such a, I think she's a good mom, even though she's intense. I don't know that everybody would agree with that, but I think she is. And so I was thinking, I wonder if she said something about uh, Ted and, you know, cause Charlie had yelled at her at one point about, yeah, I heard you guys have the fight the night you died. And, um, and if there's something in there about that or about Judy, I mean, there's a lot there. They could go in a lot of directions with that. Yeah. And obviously they would have to write them out of the corner of what happens when Steve body, Steve's body is found. So, but, but they can, they're creative. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then of course, Ben in the accident, you know, where, where did he rush off to, you know, who's, is he going to ask for help from somebody? Is he going to, you know, now that he's got a car, he's got to get rid of, or is he going to come clean because he's so honest, you know? And, and what happens with Michelle, you know, at the end, it, it ironically turned out to be Michelle didn't want to deal with Judy anymore. So what happens with, with that? Or maybe, you know, Nick gets back in the mix now that we see he's showing some empathy and didn't seem as angry with Judy at the end. And I have to say, I did, I did except for the extreme situation, I always liked Nick. I wish we saw him more this year. I missed his character. Yeah. And I, I thought, you know, he also had a nice balance to him with Judy in season one. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he had a rough, a rough time of it because he came into it after grieving his partner and then he was grieving the, the loss of Judy and the relationship he thought he was going to have. So, you know, gotta I see why he was a little bitter there for a while, but yeah, he, he was such a sweet guy and a, and a good guy. Um, so I, yeah, I'd love to see him some more too. And, and I know it's kind of, it's interesting. Would I want Judy to be with Michelle or, or Nick? I, I'm not sure. Well, here's what I'm going to say. A, I guess Nick could go to the grief group also because, Hey, that's what everyone does. Right. On this yeah. show. But, you know, I'm going to say this. Why does it have to be like a typical show where she has to make a choice? We yeah. don't need to have her make a choice. Like, let her just live and let live and, and be with both of them or not if she feels like it. Right. Why, why do women always have to make a choice? Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I think that'd be great. And I think that'd be so Judy. But because... <laughs> Because um, Judy and Steve, you know, that was part of the problem with uh, with Nick before. I don't think Nick would be okay with that. But that's something yeah. that's before. That's true. And then, of course, what happens with Jen and Ben? He was happy to hear from his mom that, oh, that realtor woman was asking about you. Mm-hmm. But, gee, now he just uh, left the scene of a crime hit and run hitting them because he was drinking. So, you know, again, another huge strike against him, huh? <laughs> Besides that, you know, she killed his brother, but maybe everyone kind of gets even in the circle in the show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, it, they probably didn't know that it was the other, that it was people that they knew in the accident. So maybe, you know, he's been going to Jen for help with everything because he doesn't know anybody else around there. So can you imagine if he goes to her for help with this and realizes that it was them and how would that play out? 
Well, that would sound like something this show would do where the first seven episodes or so people don't fess up. Yes, yes, exactly. And it festers. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to Dead to Us, our discussions of season two of the Netflix show Dead to Me. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Well, that's going to be it for us. And we'll be back with a brand new podcast soon enough. We're still figuring out what theme we would like to So have a uh, good rest of your June. Ciao. Bye.